You're now listening to episode 59 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hull and Thomas Costelli here today with Mark Podolsky, a.k.a. The Land Geek, who has been investing in raw land since 2001, has closed over 5,000 transactions in his business, Frontier Equity Properties, and is author of the book, Dirt Rich. In this episode, we discuss Mark's system for investing in raw land, business automations and tools that help you do it, how Mark handles accounting and taxes, and more. Do you have an accounting system in place to track the performance of your rental portfolio? If not, this may be costing you thousands of dollars in missed tax planning opportunities and preventing you from making good financial decisions to grow your portfolio. But don't take it from us. We've had many guests on the show from Jay Scott to Brian Burke and many others to discuss the importance of having a good accounting system. Well, there's no need to fret. The Real Estate CPA is an accounting advisory service where we will evaluate your current accounting system or set one up for you if you don't already have one. This includes setting up the chart of accounts for your business, helping you book retroactive transactions so that you're all up to speed, and then we will help you set up automations for reoccurring transactions and set up class tracking so that you can track each of your property's income and expenses separately. At the end of the engagement, we'll present you with two options. We can either train you or a staff member to run the system, or we can discuss outsourcing the accounting completely so it's completely off your plate. Don't put this off any longer. It's time to get your accounting system in place so you can track the performance and make better financial decisions. Head on over to therealestatecpa.com backslash become dash client and fill out the web form on the page and we'll contact you within one to three business days to set up an initial consultation. And without further ado, we're going to jump right into today's episode. Mark, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. Can you give our listeners a little information on your background and how you got to where you are today? Thomas Costelli. Thanks so much for having me. So in 2000, I was a miserable, micromanaged, unhappy investment banker. I specialized in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And and Thomas, I'll be honest, it got so bad for me that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having me back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy and he tells me that as a side hustle, he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar, he's flipping them online, and he's making a 300% return on his investment. Well, I'm looking at companies all day long. I mean, a great company, a great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. An average company is at 10%. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So I don't believe him. So we go to New Mexico. Uh, I go to an auction. I've got three grand saved up for car repairs. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy up 10 half-acre parcels, an average price of 300 bucks each. I put them up online and they all sell at an average price of $1,200 each. 300%. It worked. So I take all that money and I go to another auction where I live in Arizona. And again, this is 2000. There's no one in the room. I'm buying up lots. I'm buying up acreage for like nothing. And over the next six months, I sold all that land and I made over $92,000. So I go to my wife and like, honey, I'm going to quit my investment banking job 
and I'm going to be a full-time land investor. And she's pregnant. And she says, absolutely not. So I said, okay, okay. So I worked part-time in land investing and it took about 18 months for the land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit. I've been doing it full-time ever since. I've done, to date, over 6,000 transactions. Oh, nice. That's awesome. It sounds like you you fell into the land business, I guess, in a way. Have you considered other types of real estate or is it, is it land that's just been so good to you that there's never been a need to explore anything else outside of it? Yeah. I mean, I have a mentor and he's always kind of keeping me away from shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's got like an Israeli accent. He's like, Mark, are you bored of making money? <laughs> so I keep reminding myself of that. So I'm, I'm an inch wide and a mile deep. And I might as well be the best land investor that I can be versus a average or below average, say, multifamily investor. Just because you know, I went to a multifamily conference, I thought, oh, that's cool. No, I, I hear that 100%. Uh, that's what one of the mentors that I had in the past that told me too. He goes, a lot of people in the room probably have shiny object syndrome. Raise your hand if that's you. And you, know, you hear about the next hottest thing. And next thing you know, you're going and chasing that. Um, it's kind of like that acres of diamond story where like, you know, you're, you're continually chasing the next hottest thing, but you're not focused on what's really working for you. So I hear that a hundred percent. And from what I understand, uh, your business from what I've heard on other podcasts and whatnot, you have it like automated, like down to a science at this point. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, we're super geeky. I'm 90% automated with software on the front end, virtual assistants and an acquisition manager in the middle, and then a software called geekpay.io that automates the collection of the money on the back end. So I work about two hours a week in Frontier Properties. Take that, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> and uh, you know, it took years and years to develop all of this, but today is the best time ever to be an entrepreneur. And it's unbelievable what we can do with automation systems, processes, inexpensive virtual assistants. I've got a team in the Philippines. It cost me about $11 to do due diligence. They're connected to a uh, American title company. I get maps. I get aerial maps. I get the title report. It's unbelievable. And it costs 11 bucks. Do you see any, uh, you see any downsides of automating to that extent? Or from your perspective, has it been just so good that the downsides don't mean anything? I mean, I think that there is a downside... There, there can be a downside to automation. And you kind of have to get into the weeds of it to know which specific instance where, okay, automation really is not going to solve this problem as well as, say, an inexpensive virtual assistant. And maybe that inexpensive virtual assistant is not going to solve that problem as well as somebody who's specialized. So you kind of need to kind of get into it. And through trial and error, you figure out for yourself which is the best solution for your model. So for me, there are pieces of it where you know I wouldn't automate my ad writing on Craigslist or Facebook with, let's say, AI, right? That would be an inexpensive virtual assistant that you know can write really good ads. But as far as sending out my letters, I'll use an API with lob.com. Those get automated. As far as my contracts, what used to take me 20 minutes in paperwork now takes you know, one second. So that can be automated. But certainly due diligence, 
I wouldn't automate. I want a human being to review all that information as well. So it just depends which pieces of the business make sense. And if anything, I, I might get shiny object syndrome with, with that. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's really interesting. At, at our business here at, at the CPA firm, I would say about a year ago, we were probably more automated than we are today because we realized that the automation actually kind of hurts client experience. And I know that you're not dealing with clients like we are, but like, I mean, I remember when we had the sales process completely automated, everything was automated. This it, proposals, everything was automated. And now it's, it's a much finer personal touch. Like we send videos to any person that fills out a web form. doesn't matter how big or small you are. It doesn't matter if you're qualified or not qualified. You still get a personalized video and it's just gone so much further for us. So I like what you said that it's, it's definitely different per business model. It, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. It depends on your business, who you're servicing or who you're working with or what you're trying to do. But yeah, it's a funny struggle internally all the time because we're, we're 100% virtual. So we try to automate as much as we can. And then like somebody will always come into the conversation and say, ah, do we really want to automate like that though? Do we, do we really want to automate everything related to the clients so we can just sit back on the beach and chill or will we lose clients as a result of that? <laughs> yeah, no, that is a good point. And in some of my other businesses in the beginning, I wanted to automate relationships and you just can't. There's just some things that don't scale. And I'm the same way. Like I'm ambitiously lazy. I mean, I really, you know, want to be that person that works because they want to, not because they have to. Like, like I I mean, it's, it's kind of morbid, but you know, a good entrepreneur should be able to die and the company should just be able to just be seamless. So those are the things that I kind of tackle every day is, okay, if I'm doing this, why am I doing this? Is it that important? And if I die, well, what would happen? So you know, there are just some things that, you know, I can't automate. Like this, this would be great if I could be a hologram of myself on this podcast, <laughs> right? And I could be on the beach, but like, well, we can't automate this. But the impact of connecting with people on a podcast is way better than automating a Facebook ad. 100%. Is there any specific uh, tools or specific uh, pieces of software that you, you know, you recommend um, that have worked really well for you when you're automating various aspects of, of the business? Oh, are we getting geeky now? Let's get geeky. <laughs> okay. Where to begin? First thing, I love Airtable. Airtable.com. It's free. It is a spreadsheet and a database on steroids. It's amazing. Now, Another one that I think is very good that we also use that has lots of automations and how these things connect, I'm going to get into is Smartsheet. So Airtable.com, Smartsheet.com. Now we have a proprietary software program that we created just using you know, developers in India for our land investing business. But before we did that, we used a combination of three tools, Podio, Globiflow, and Zapier. If you're not in Zapier every single day, I don't know what you're doing as an entrepreneur. Like that is the game changer, killer website because it's just amazing what you can do in there. So I think those three, you know, Airtable, Smartsheet, and Zapier are amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. We we have a couple pretty large clients doing some pretty big syndication fund type activities. And they run a lot of their business out of Google Sheets and Zapier. Yeah. So it's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating to, to watch. No, I, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. 
Airtable and Smartsheets, we were looking at that recently. We've been like looking around to kind of just consolidate all of our technology because we've got the sprawl going right now. So we're trying to figure out what's next in terms of just kind of consolidating down. But we're kind of like doing something similar to what you were mentioning, where we're building out our own custom solution because especially in the CPA space, you get into the consolidated tech, like consolidation is nice to a certain degree, but in the CPA space, you're looking at these big box brands and uh, they're really good at one piece of it and they really stink at the rest. Um, so the consolidation actually hurts you, <laughs> you right. your efficiency. So, you know, we, we, we got to ask, cause we are, we are an accounting and tax podcast. How do you handle your accounting? I'm assuming it's automated some way, but just curious to know how you handle that aspect of the business. Okay, so you guys are going to love this. And if you're not using this, this would be my fourth favorite tool is filethis.com. Are you guys using this with all your clients? I've seen a couple of people use it, but we haven't really explored it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I automate. Like The last thing I want to do is deal with you know my bookkeeper or CPA saying, Mark, I need your monthly statements. Really? Like now I got to go in, log in, you know, download the statements send them via Dropbox, whatever it is. File this automates it. And you get six connections. So one of my connections is Dropbox. And so file this goes in, pulls out from my credit card, PayPal, bank accounts, all my statements every single month. And then from there, we have a zap when it says, when it hits this Dropbox account, email the statements to these people in our CPA and bookkeeper's office. So what used to take me, you know, five to 10 minutes a month, I eliminated. So, I mean, if I can eliminate something for like one minute in my life, that's a minute I got back to do something I really like to do. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. Sounds like a HubDoc. It, yeah, it's very similar to HubDoc. Yeah. 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 So, HubDoc's come a long way too. I remember we were trying them out at one point and uh, we're now trying them out again, but we'll have to take a harder look at Fileless as well. Yeah, let me take a look at HubDoc here. Oh, you can do it live. All right, yeah, give us the live the live walkthrough. Yeah, I, I, I'm see, curious. All, all financial docs in one place automatically. Yeah, I mean, this is very similar. How much is this thing? Because file this for the first six automations is free. Ah, there you go. That's probably the winner then. But this is important. I know that we're kind of going a little bit off, off of our normal beaten path for all of our listeners, but I think this is really important because bookkeeping and accounting takes up a lot of time. I mean, part of our role is helping a client whenever they're bringing the bookkeeping to us, we help them get on better systems. And we're starting to really explore that space a little bit more hardcore because we're realizing that we can really automate some of this stuff. Uh, We're nowhere near as good as Mark. But if you can just get rid of some of these like even if you can just set up a system where, I don't know, you go to Home Depot and you spend money and you get a text message and that automatically gets uh, pinged somewhere, or it hits your QuickBooks online file, it, whatever sort of workflows you can set up to automate, it's always going to be beneficial. One of the things that we do is we'll sit down and we'll have somebody walk us through their process from start to finish. Now, we've done this with you know hundreds of clients, so we know what, what actual accounting processes should look like. We'll have you walk through your process start to finish, and we'll just start asking, what are your biggest pain points? Do you still have manual receipts? Some of our clients come to us, and they're still keeping paper receipts in a folder somewhere, you know? All right, well, let's create a habit of snapping a picture of that receipt and just uploading it to this either Google Drive or using Expensify or whatever it is that you, that you ultimately want to use, whatever the functionality is you like. But as long as you can get it into the cloud, 
then we can pull it automatically. All of a sudden, your accounting, your bookkeeping becomes very simple. So I know that we're going, again, a little bit off the beaten path here, but I think it's a really important conversation for a lot of our listeners. Um, If you haven't automated your bookkeeping, try harder. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's a mindset, you know, of thinking like, okay, am I a freelancer or am I an entrepreneur? And a lot of times, you know, the solopreneur thinks they're an entrepreneur, but they're really not. They've created a job for themselves. And so it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think is really important to have that discipline every day to yeah. build something bigger than yourself. Yeah, we, we have found ourselves. So we, we randomly started offering this like accounting system setup automation service. And we found ourselves selling that a lot more. That, that's kind of what people want. You know, we don't want to necessarily even do the bookkeeping. I mean, we would love to do the bookkeeping, but if we can come in and automate it for you, so that you can hire a virtual assistant to do it at a much, much cheaper rate than uh, best of both worlds. Best for you because you get cheaper accounting. Best for us because we get to do the actual advisory, not the transactions on a day-to-day basis. So really important to to really kind of be automating everything. So Mark, do you invest in any other assets other than land or is it just land at this point? No, I'm dirt, I'm dirt poor. I just buy dirt. <laughs> you just buy dirt. Okay. I just buy the dirt. So I mean, if you guys want, I can walk you through exactly what I do and how I do it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, because I think you're really going to appreciate the elegance of all this. Okay, so Brandon, where, where do you live? I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, you're in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. And I go to this county in Texas, and I see, oh, there's Brandon Hall. He owns a Thomas Costelli, 20 acres of raw land in this county in Texas. But you guys owe $200 in back taxes. So you're advertising two things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that raw land. You're in North Carolina, the property's in Texas. And number two, you're distressed financially in some way because when we don't value something, we don't pay for it. And you guys owe back taxes. As a result, the treasurer has been sending you notices every single month that if you don't pay your taxes, you're going to lose that property to a tax deed or a tax lien investor. So what I'll do is I look at the comparable sales on that 20-acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to take the lowest one and divide by four. And that's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So in our example, let's say it's 10 grand, right? I'm going to send you guys an actual offer of $2,500. Now you accept it because $2,500 is better than nothing. Plus you don't care anymore. You're never going to go look at that property anyways. You're in North Carolina. So in reality, the market, we get about a three to 5% acceptance rate. So for every hundred offers we send, we get about three to five deals. Now, after you accept the offer, we're going to go through our due diligence, confirm you still own the property, confirm back taxes are only $200, confirm there's no liens or encumbrances, make sure there's no breaks in the chain of title, just a whole checklist, right? We confirm everything's okay. We send you a check for $2,300. We pay off the $200 in back taxes. Now we own it. And we're going to make about 800 to 1,000% ROI on this deal. And I'm going to sell this property 30 days or less. Do you guys know how I'm going to do it? Yeah, I have a built-in Best Buyer. Do you know who it is? Thomas? The Neighbors. You know it! The Neighbors! Oh, nice. <laughs> He's been listening to the podcast. That's right. The Neighbors. So oftentimes, I'll send out neighbor letters saying, here's your opportunity. Protect your views. Expand your holdings. Impress your banker. Expand your net worth. Oftentimes, the neighbors will buy it. Now, if they pass, I'll go to my buyers list. My buyers list passes. I'll go to a little website you've never heard of called Craigslist, 10th most trafficked website in the United States. And even a smaller one, Facebook. 
which is the largest now. So what we'll do then, and then we can go to landmoto.com, landsofamerica.com, the lands. Now, the way that we're going to sell it is we're going to ask for a $2,500 down payment. So I want to get my money out on the down. And then let's make it a car payment, $449 a month, 9% interest over the next 84 months. So make it really easy for the buyer. Now, if I have to go six months out to get my capital back, I'll do that. But I usually don't like to go any longer than six months. So we get the down payment. We get $449 a month, 9% interest over the next 84 months. And I get I don't have to deal with any renters, rehabs, renovations, or rodents. And because I'm not dealing with the tenant, I'm exempt from any onerous real estate legislation, Dodd-Frank, RESPA, the SAFE Act. And then the game that we play is can we create enough of these land notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses and then we're working because we want to, not because we have to. So how that initial like, you know, Brandon's in Raleigh, North Carolina, but you find this random county in Texas that I happen to own land. Are you, were you already mining that county in Texas or are you like, how, how are you finding that land? I guess. What, what's that search process or the discovery process? Look like? Yeah. I mean, you know, Brandon, let's just be real, right? Nobody wakes up and thinks to themselves, boy, I'd like some raw land today in Iowa, unless you live <laughs> in Iowa. Right. right. So we focus on the Southwest, the Northwest, California, and Florida. I mean, I've done deals in the Midwest and a little bit on the East Coast, but that's going to be our bread and butter. And then from there, we want to find counties that have just tons and tons of inexpensive raw land, you know, an hour or two from a big city. And that's really where we, where we mine our data. And then there's all types of, you know, ninja ways to find those counties, which, you know, unfortunately is proprietary. I can't divulge. Okay, I'll tell you. Forget it. Just tell you. So what we look for is where are other land sellers selling land? So it's counterintuitive, but we want to go where the competition is because then we know definitively land deals can be done there. Got it. Got it. That's really interesting. Uh, that, that, that's really interesting. So Mark, if somebody was going to like jump headfirst into land flipping or kind of doing what you're doing, what are some of the major pitfalls that they should be looking out for or some of the major holes that they should be avoiding? I think the biggest mistakes that we see our clients make in the very beginning is, you know, usually the wrong county or the wrong pricing. Getting the list can be difficult as well. So what we do is we get the list and then we price the list, we upload it to our software and we send out those offers. But sometimes, you know, people aren't persistent enough to get the list. Like they'll email the county assessor or treasurer and they say, oh, you know, we don't have that list. Well, if someone says that to me, I'm like, I know you have the list. You just got to keep finding the right person. Maybe I'll contact IT, right? So that's a challenge as well. But I'd say the biggest mistake that can be made in this niche is screwing up your due diligence. And you know, you can really lose money if you buy in an area that's environmental. Let's say you buy a Superfund site. So you got to go to epa.gov. You know, maybe the back taxes are, you know, more than the value of the land. Maybe you're not evaluating the area well. Maybe you're afraid of competition. So you want to go into a new area, but you have no idea what you're doing. Those are things that, you know, we typically try to help people with so that out of the gate, they're not, you know, making a catastrophic mistake. But the nice thing about the land business 
is that unlike multifamily, it's really hard to knock yourself out of this game. That's an interesting point. I guess that makes a lot of sense too. Now talk to me about kind of along those same lines, what is maybe the most either catastrophic or expensive mistake that you've made? Well, the most catastrophic mistake that I made was, um, did you ever read that book by Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy? I have not read it. I've heard of it though. Have you read it, Tom? I've not read it yet, but I'll put it on the list. Yeah, I've got like about 40 books here that I've got to read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought I was so smart and I was doing so well, but I was flipping for cash, 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 right? And so, yeah, I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't building any wealth. And it took five years to figure out, hey, wait a second. Every time I make a cash sale and I make a profit, I've got to pay taxes and I've got to redeploy this capital. And that's a problem. So then we started doing, I started doing these terms deals and solve that. But if I had a mentor in the very beginning, that could have been solved immediately. So that was my first catastrophic mistake. Because one of the guys I started with, he's at 250000 a month in passive now. Where, you know, no, one, like, no one's going to be upset by my passive, but it's not that. And I should, it should be that. So that was the first catastrophic mistake. I think the second one that I did was buying in a property owners association because I fell in love with the community. And again, didn't have a mentor, uh, bought the whole subdivision. I should have done a takedown deal instead of going all in, which would have limited my risk and my capital. I still made hundred grand on the deal, but 2008 came along and it was the first time I, I really, when I factored in my time, because it took about two years to negotiate that deal, mm-hmm. I broke even on a deal. Mm, interesting. I got a question on the tax side of things when it comes to, to the land business. You know, we have a few clients out who flip land and they're often trying to shelter themselves from, you know, the dealer status perhaps of being considered a dealer for, for just being in that type of business. Do you have any, uh, any tricks up your sleeve or anything that you've employed or a favorite tax strategy that maybe you used to avoid these type of things? So I'm pretty aggressive. And I wouldn't recommend somebody taking doing what I do. <laughs> they, they speak to a good tax attorney. I'll tell you what my tax attorney told me when um, I told him what I was doing. He said, Mark, if you look like a duck, you quack like a duck, you walk like a duck, you're a duck, you're a dealer. And he's like, you can try every which way to be an investor, but you're full-time buying and selling raw land. You're a dealer. And what's interesting about the dealer status is that especially when you do terms, is there is an exemption for raw land where you can do an installment sale and you don't have to collect the entire, um, or you, have to, you don't have to capture the entire gain from day one. You actually capture the gain as you get your payments. So a lot of CPAs don't know that. But number two is I try to bifurcate certain deals where somebody might own uh, a year and a day and try to get capital gains treatment on those deals. And then the rest are ordinary income. Do you run out of an S-Corp, C-Corp? What, what type of entity structure are you using? I'm an S-Corp. S-Corp, cool. Yeah. It sounds like you're pretty knowledgeable on this stuff. Are you kind of doing all of your own taxes or do you have a team in place? No, I have a team. I mean, I have four other companies. So I, I'd say that uh, whenever I call my CPA, they just groan. oh no here comes all this complicated stuff we have to figure out yeah yeah and i always win thickest tax return of the year 
<laughs> what what we understand is that the more tax return pages you have, the higher your net worth is. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, when you when you started out, when you were kind of like learning all this stuff, learning about taxes, when did you pull the trigger on building out that team? So you mentioned the tax attorney. Um, when, when did you start meeting with professionals? Did you try to do it yourself for a little bit, or did you just at, from the very beginning? I- yeah, I mean, I was smart enough to kind of know from the very beginning that I shouldn't be doing, you know, taxes myself. And I was also smart enough to know that this is my biggest expense. So I better find somebody to help me mitigate my tax liability. But other than that, I would say that I've made lots of mistakes with um, tax professionals that, you know, didn't have intimate knowledge of real estate. So the, initially getting set up, I was set up as a dealer. And there was just no way out of it from there. Where if I had somebody who's a little bit more skilled, I might have been able to structure things to try to be more of an investor. You know, I could have maybe found a little W two job. Instead, <laughs> you know, who knows? I mean, still like the volume I'm doing, I still wouldn't be an investor. But in the beginning, I could have like tried harder. I've made lots of mistakes. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going in like a shame spiral now. Yeah. So would there be any other uh, words of wisdom or any other advice you'd want to impart on our listeners, whether it be about land or just business in general, before we wrap up for today? Yeah. I mean, I I would say like, I I love the Zig Ziglar quote, if you'll do for the next three to five years, what other people won't do, you'll be able to do the rest of your life, what other people can't do. So I think those are pretty good words of wisdom. No, absolutely. That is a great quote. A lot of people said the same thing to me. It's like, if you just put your nose to the grindstone, you work for the next you know number of years, you'll live life. Uh, you sac- make a lot of sacrifices, you'll live life in a way that most people wish they could, but they're not just ever willing to, to make those types of sacrifices. So uh, 100% on board with that statement. And if our listeners wanted to learn more about you or get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, thelandgeek.com. And then... If I could, I'd like to offer them a gift. We have a $97 passive income launch kit and um, they can get it for free if they just go to landgeek.com forward slash launch kit. Awesome. We appreciate you offering that up to our listeners. And uh, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been a great time talking about automations and the land business and uh, look forward to getting out there. Yeah, no worries. Um, I really appreciate you guys. And for just you two, if you want to check out my book, Dirt Rich, it's available now on all fine bookstores, including Amazon. Before we go, we want to remind you about our virtual workshops. They are not a webinar, but rather our virtual workshops are a highly interactive experience that puts you in a room with our tax strategists as well as fellow real estate investors. We will discuss a topic for the first 15 to 20 minutes and then open the room up for questions. This is the perfect opportunity to get answers to those real estate tax and accounting questions that you've been dying to ask while at the same time discovering what other real estate investors are asking. You could sign up for our virtual workshops by visiting therealestatecpa.com backslash virtual dash workshop or by following the link in the show notes below. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients, and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. 
to become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.